Well, at this time, I'm going to invite Crystal Bartlett, who is our guest speaker this morning. If you would welcome Crystal to the stage, that'd be fantastic. Um, Crystal is uh, one of our missionaries that we support, and she's from all over. She's got some roots in the South. She currently serves their home base with Elam Fellowship, is in New York, but she is a Michigander uh, through and through, love having her here. She's from Northern Mission, kind of Lake City area, those of you guys who have been up around that area. And so Crystal, uh, if she was here last fall just kind of updating us on her ministry, and so we wanted to have her come back and give her a few extra minutes on stage to challenge us and encourage us. And so we're excited to have Crystal with us, and she's going to share more about herself and, and, and uh, hit us with something today. But would you always all welcome Crystal as she speaks today? Thank you so much, Fieldstone Church. You guys are so amazing. I love any good reason to come back to Michigan. You don't even have to have me come speak. You could just be like, Crystal, will you come to Michigan to mow my lawn? Yes, uh, I will come to Michigan to mow your lawn. Guys, go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, Crystal's about to get wild. I'm being so serious, guys. We are about to dive in. We're going to get up close and personal this morning. I am going to tell you a little bit about my family so that you feel like we are family in order for me to do that. Um, the first picture up here is of me and my lovely nephew, King and I. King is 13. I am 26, not 35 like he says all the time. Um, but we live up in upstate New York. This is... I love family photos, don't you guys? They make us look so good and put together. <laughs> That's so fun. Anyways, um, so we are we are up in upstate New York. King's in seventh grade. I'm in school of life. I love doing missions. I get to train and equip young people to go and to serve from middle school all the way through college students. We have some trips going out this um, May, June, and July. We have your very own Anne Franco joining us in New Orleans on our New Orleans mission trip. Um, and we have a trip going out to L.A., and we are just so fired up for what the Lord is going to do. And then we have a base that we're launching as Elam Fellowship in Bangkok, Thailand, um, with the borders of Sealand being closed now. Um, the, the country that starts with C. I never, we never know if we can say it, because I don't know if you guys are ever live streaming or not. And so, yeah, that's me and King, but I'm the oldest of eight. And so here's a cute photo from a very long time ago. We need more updated family photos. So this is my cute little family. Again, family photos make us look so clean. Um, my mom had to try so hard to keep all of us that clean. There's a couple of my siblings missing from that photo, um, but I love my little tiny humans for siblings. They are so much fun. The next oldest in our family is 13, and so it's just a lot of fun in our house. Now that you guys have gotten to know very little about my tiny family, um, I am ready to just dive into all the things. Um, this morning, God has burdened my heart with uh, a bit of a reminder that we're not perfect and a bit of a reminder that we're called even in our imperfections. Um, I was feeling very broken and ill-equipped to share with you guys this Sunday because my family has just had the hardest last week 
And um, a lot of that I won't go into detail about because I just feel like the Lord's like, I want to still use you in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain, because there's going to be people in this room that are in their own trial, in their own storm, have family members that are in their own pain, and he wants to use you. He wants to reach you, but he doesn't just want to reach you. He wants to reach your neighbors, and he wants to reach the nations. And so I put... We, we had a group go and race around and put these little cards called the game plan on your chairs. And the game plan is essentially, we have been wearing the jersey. If you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have put on the jersey. You're in the game. Um, but you're really kind of sitting on the bench. And if you watch sports, when you're sitting on the bench, there's not a lot to do but watch the game. And a lot of the time, Christians and us, I'm going to say me, I like to sit on the bench and not watch the game. But would it be weird if somebody like LeBron James <clears throat> was benched and instead of just sitting on the bench and like watching the game, he like started reading a book? And then while he's still on the bench, he sees his teammate mess up, so he starts booing them. And like, and then he throws like a temper tantrum because he didn't get put in the game in the place in the moment that he thought he was, but really he was being saved for something so special later. Guys, that's us as Christians a lot of the time. Again, let's make it personal. That's me as a Christian a lot of the times. We'll, be, we'll feel like we've been benched, that we haven't been put in the game, that, we, that we're supposed to be out there. We're supposed to be doing these great things that, God, you're missing your mark. I'm supposed to be used for so much more than this. He's like, look around. You're not on the bench. You're already in the game. I've placed people and places and passions all around you, all within you, and I just want you to see it. I just want to ignite it within you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at God's word and, and look at someone in God's word who felt very taken advantage of, very pulled from where she was supposed to be, felt like she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but God's saying, no, I'm ready to put you in the game now. And so a lot of you guys, you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in the game you're supposed to be in the game. You're, I'm here to tell you, you're in the game. Um, ministry, Jesus did not take a bunch of pastors and walk a bunch of years with them. He took a bunch of people and did life with them. And then he sent them out in their trade and the skills that they had. And use them. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about God, how God wants to use you this morning. Um, the way that this whole message came about was I was driving through towards northern Michigan. Whenever I'm in Michigan, I try to hit up, you know, the, the staples of Michigan, my Culver's. How many of you guys are a part of the True Blue crew? None of you guys worked for Culver's? I was the custard queen. <laughs> I'm not bragging or anything, but I could make a great turtle sundae. Anyways, whenever I'm in Michigan, I have to go to Culver's. I have to hit up Jimmy John's. Is it Jimmy John's? Is that the name of it? Yeah, I think it is Jimmy John's. And I can't find it in New York. So I'm like, they brag about their pizza. And if any of my friends from New York is watching, I don't like your pizza. They brag about like their sandwiches and stuff. I think Jimmy John's beats out every one of their subs. Um, but anyways, I was like so obsessed with our road trip home. I'm like, I'm going to eat at all of my favorite Michigander places. Culver's, cheese curds, Jimmy John's, a little... Little Witch, I don't remember what the name of it is. It's going to be a great sandwich. But as we're like driving around, we see all these help wanted signs. And I'm like, what is happening? And the more my eyes are open to these help wanted signs, the more my heart starts to pound and I start to sweat a little bit. And not because I'm scared I'm not going to get my sandwich, but because just as desperate as 
they are for workers in these different stores, people are for Jesus. Like, I think that the very visible help wanted sign is probably like replicated another 50 times for how many more people need Jesus. How many more people are saying, I need help, but not saying it with their words, but with their lives, y'all. And so I, I thought of, I was like, Holy Spirit, why am I getting wrecked by these help wanted signs? Why do I feel like I um, can't handle it? And of course, I'm in a Jimmy John's drive through as this is happening. And so the guy comes to the window and he tells me how it's going to be like a super long wait because my sandwich um, is being made. Like they just have a really small team. There's not enough people. I was like, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. He's like, do you want a job? I'm like, no, I'm good. I got one. <laughs> but thank you. So considerate. <laughs> Um, and I was just like, Lord, I want to cry right now. My heart is breaking because as much as these stores need workers, God, they need you. These people need you. And that's when I realized now more than ever, the church needs to be mobilized for what God is wanting to do in and through each and every one of you. And so this made me think of Esther the most. You're like, Esther, the little teenager who was like promoted to queen overnight. No, 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 no. Let's Esther, this girl who went through a season of a storm that was like, she never could have, like these are like 10 out of 10, never would have guessed this would happen to her. You know what I mean? Like she, she didn't ask for it. She didn't want it. And so we're going to be looking at Esther 2.8. But before we go there, um, let me just give you a little bit of context. In Esther 1, we see that Queen Vashta was called on by the king, and he had invited her to a royal, whatever they do as kings and queens, a banquet. Forget the word. Um, and at the banquet, he just really wanted her to come wearing a crown, and it is insinuated that he had called for her seven times, and seven times over, she had said no. She's like, I'm not going. And so soon after the party was over, the king shunned her. He, he cast her off, and he went looking for another queen. And so that's where we pick up in Esther 2.8. It says this. It says, after the king's order and law was announced, many young women were brought to Fort Susa. Guys, I don't, words are hard. And Haggai was put in charge of them. Esther was also taken to the king's palace. She was put under control of Haggai. He was in charge of the, pa the place where all the virgins stayed. Guys, it says, and she was taken to a new land. How many of you guys, if you could go back in the future, would not choose to go through this last season of COVID, of super intense racial injustice, of political weirdness, of all, like, you wouldn't choose that. We, nobody would choose that. Our, our normal has been taken from us, right? Like, we didn't, like, we're still in the same place. We haven't moved states, but yet it feels completely different. I don't know about you, but I, I felt so out of world. Every time I get on a plane, I used to get on a plane and be so excited. I went almost a year and a half, two years without ever getting on a plane. And you're like, that's not that long. But for someone that was on a plane, like, on a weekly basis, it felt like years. felt like decades. But even getting back on the plane and all the things had changed. Your world has been taken. You've been taken to a new world, yet you're in the same place. The land does not look the same as it once did. The needs are greater and we feel much greater burden. And so, so Esther is just trying to make it, y'all. 
for the next few chapters, we see that. We see that she, she's not just trying to make it. Her uncle Mordecai's looking out for her. She, he's by the king's gates. And as he is just in the place where he's, he's looking out for his niece, he, he, he overhears that there were these two officials that were plotting against the king. And so he reports it to the king. He basically saves the king's life. Um, or well, he tells Esther and she tells the king. And, and then later on, um, Mordecai refuses to bow to another one of the king's men. And that brings a fury within Haman. And he, would go back, he went back to the king and he petitioned for the Jews that would not bow to his name to be killed. And this is where we find ourselves. Um, Mordecai had just said to Esther that she needed to tell the king that that's what they're doing. They're about to go kill these Jews, that all these people are going to be killed. And this is where we found ourselves in scripture in Esther 4, Verse 12, it says, when, Esther, um, when Esther's words were relayed to Mordecai, um, oh, I skipped it. So Esther looked at Mordecai and was basically like, Mordecai, I don't know what you want me to do. If I'm to enter the king's gates without being invited, which I haven't been invited in months, I'm kind of loving it, just eating my grapes. No one's bothering me. The king doesn't need me. She's like, I can't go do that. Like, I'm not the person that you think I am. I can't be the one that everyone is relying on right now to go and tell him not to kill the Jews. And so this is when the words are relayed. So Esther 4.12, when Esther's words were relayed to Mordecai, he sent back to her this reply. Do not imagine just because you are in the king's palace, you alone will escape the fate of all the Jews. Guys, I, again, I resonate with Esther here because we've been silenced. We've been silenced in so many different ways because we're simply trying to get by. We don't want to say that thing that might offend them. We don't want to tell people about Jesus because we know it might offend them. We don't want to be canceled. And so we assume this position of silence that really is our way of protecting ourselves. But I believe this is why God has given us some bold family members. Anybody have any loud family members in the room? They may not be here with you today. Yes, point at me, King. I am your loud family member. I have a couple other loud family members. Yes. And guess what God does with these loud family members? He takes them and he places them in positions in our lives to speak truth over us. And so just as Mordecai spoke to them, do not imagine that because you are in the place that you are, the king's palace, you alone will escape the fate of all the Jews. I do not think that I drove all the way from New York to give you guys some fluffy message about how you're doing great um, and should stay exactly where you are and not get uncomfortable. I think he brought me here today to tell you it's time. You've been waiting for someone to tell you that you're called. You're called. You've been waiting for someone to tell you that it's going to be super uncomfortable. It's going to be super uncomfortable. You've been waiting for someone to tell you that he is wanting to use you in the midst of your brokenness. Well, he is wanting to use you today in the midst of your brokenness. There's people in your schools. There's people in your jobs. There, there's, I'm not trying to send you to the nations today. I'm not trying to, to cast you out among the wolves. But it's going to be pretty scary, the people that are sitting right next to you in your normal nine to five that need Jesus and need you to be bold with your faith. 
And so we see in Esther 14 this. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's house, it will perish. And who knows if perhaps you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Guys, just like God called Esther, he has called us to be his hands and feet to our neighbors and to the nation right now. I believe that a lot of the issues that people are wanting to solve in the world can be solved simply by the love of Jesus that is spread through each and every one of you stepping out. And so Esther, after she heard this from her very bold family member, she replied this. She said, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat nor drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maidens will fast as you do. And after that, I will go to the king. And even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so Mordecai went and did all that Esther had instructed him to do. What do we see here? We see that once Esther accepted the call on her life, she began to get prepared to serve in the way that God had positioned her to. And once she was getting prepared and she was ready, she served. She stepped out. But, but this is when we get to the practicals. This is when we get to the game plan. This is when we get to see what exactly has God called us to do. How exactly has he called us to do it? Let's look. Because once she understood that she was appointed by God, she accepted her call. So how did she do that? She's like, I need to fast and pray. I need to go to the Lord, but I don't just want to go to the Lord. I need people all around me. I need all of my Jews. So I need all my brothers and sisters in faith to join with me in praying, not eating, not drinking, stepping away from the distractions of our daily lives. And so that's why we're going to look at the three main um, things that we can do to reach people and how to really prepare ourselves to do that. And there's some questions that I want you to ask yourself as we do that. So number one, we need to burn with prayer. We need to burn with prayer. Prayer puts us in the position of not just changing lives and people are like, prayer can move mountains. No, no, no. First thing prayer does is it changes your heart. It changes your mind. It changes your life. It puts you in a place where God can tender, use that tender heart. It's bringing everything to the Lord. Like, Lord, I am so broken and unable to do everything you've asked me to do, yet you want to use me. And it, and it gives us our first question that we can ask. We ask, can you start with me? After you give everything to God in that prayer, I want you to pray this, asking him, God, can you start with me? Will you please, Lord, use every bit and every part of what I have to give you? Can you start with me? And then the second thing that, that we see her prepare to do, because she had to understand the value of the people in which she was going to go and fight for and fight on behalf of. And she has to love the lost. The second one is love the lost. And the question that we ask here is we say, God, who's not here? Who's not here? 
what socioeconomic status is not um, represented here, what, what, what person, what race is missing from this table, what, what thing, what thing, what, thi- what passion have you given me and I've not used to reach them? Love the lost. I uh, think of a very worldly, yet timely example. My, my father, Justin Bartlett, I should have sent you guys this really funny photo of me and my dad. We love jalapenos, and wherever we get the chance, we try to eat them and not, like, react to them being hot. And so on the day that I was adopted, my mom had begged us. This has nothing to do with my message, so. Um, On the day that I was adopted, my mom had begged me and my dad to not eat these super big jalapenos. But we're like, we can do it, and it won't hurt us at all both of us being lactose intolerant. And so we ate like the size of this water bottle, jalapeno, that's exaggerate. And we ate it and we ate it so fast. And we're like, it's not, it was so bad. We drank a bunch of milk. We were out for the rest of the day. My mom felt so not happy with us. Anyways, but I was thinking my dad, I'm a complete daddy's girl. He prays for me all the time. He, I, I know that when he prays for me that like, I can feel it. You know what I mean? Like, you guys have those people in your life that when they pray for you, you're like, I feel this. Like, they are praying for me, like, across the world, and I can feel it. And so my dad is always praying for me, but this is a very literal example. So we, at our farm in northern Michigan, we needed some workers. And he's like, how do we get legal workers, like, not just, like, people that kind of want to work, but, like, people that are passionate about serving at our farm. And him and my uncle Um, they started a labor contracting business. They helped get immigrants over with uh, the proper H-2A visa, and they supplied the workers for our farmers. And they would pray. I believe that God gave them this idea because there's no way they would have ever come up with this. Um, And they they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, and every obstacle that stood before them fell, and it was amazing. Um, But as they brought the workers over, we saw this huge thing where we're like, who's reaching them? Like, do they hear the gospel? And so my Uncle David, who speaks Spanish, is always sharing the gospel with these guys. And it's, like, amazing. And I love to see it. I love to see how they've become a part of our family and how their business is spread. And you're like, what does that have to do with loving the lost? It's, like, exactly the people that God sits before you. You don't have to go to a nation. We're saying go to your neighbor. We're, we're not, I'm not giving you some big task that, that you have to do in your own strength. No, no, no. Pray to God. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, for he will send his workers to his harvest. This is all his. So if any person, anything that you feel like God has given you is too big, go ahead and remove that burden from yourself. Give it to Jesus. Remember, it's his people. It's his harvest. He will do it. But he wants to use you. Like like Mordecai said, it will arise, yet do not think that if you do not help, I mean, if, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But he wants to use you. You're not plan B, you're plan A. And so I just love the way that he loves the lost. And, and this looks like so many different things. But the main thing, this third point, is how we tie this all together. We look at this and we're like, you need to make disciples. In Luke 10, verse 1, we see the 72 being prepared to be sent out two by two by two. There's a brother or sister in this room with you today that you can do life with 
that you can link arms with. You can be like, hey, can we start, let's just pray right now about the people and the places and the passions that God has placed in our lives and that we are just walking by in our day-to-day life. I went from being a missionary overseas and in different states and different places to being grounded very quickly in the areas in which God had given me through the blessing that it was for my nephew to come and live with me. I, I went from going like 10 places a day to three, to drop off at school, to whatever doctor's appointment we may or may not have that week, to whatever PTA meeting there is, to my Walmart pickup. Shout out to Kyle. At 7 a.m., you are the happiest person I've ever met. Um, and then now and then a coffee run, which this is why I'm so blessed that Ashley's in our life, the world's greatest intern. Um, but like we, those people that I so often thought of just like, hi, bye, are now the only people that I get to share the love of Jesus with. And not just the only ones, but the people that he's placed for this time. And so... I know that you normally don't get church homework, but I'm giving you a little bit of church homework. In the middle of that circle web thingy at the bottom, the very middle circle, I want you to write your name. And I want you to start thinking right now in your heart, who are people, places, and passions that God has placed inside of me, around me, and that I go to on the daily that I am not reaching? I know that when I wrote down my people, I wrote down King's teachers. I wrote down my guy Kyle at Walmart pickup. When, when I looked at my places, I wrote down the coffee shop. I wrote down the doctor's office. I wrote down the school. When I looked at my passions, y'all, I can make a mean oatmeal bread. Thank you, mother, for teaching me how to cook. I can make some soup, y'all. I, I know of brothers and sisters, not just in my church that is hurting, like, yes, reach in, but now I'm talking about reaching out. I'm talking about doing the thing that God has made you for. There, you don't have to go overseas to share the gospel. There are people right here waiting waiting to hear what God is doing in your life. Because this is what I want, I want you guys to leave this morning. I want, you to be, I want you to leave feeling like Esther. Like when she, once she understood that she was appointed, she was able to accept her call. Go ahead this morning and look and know that you are appointed. If you've said yes to Jesus, you've put on the jersey, you said, you are my Lord and Savior. I, I want to do nothing without you. Then you, you're in the game. You don't have to wait for Pastor Justin to do it. You don't have to wait for your missions coordinator or director to to plan a mission trip or to, no, you, now. He's saying, I want you. And I don't want you to just do it from a place of obedience. I want you to do it from a place of love, that love that bubbles up and knowing me and pours out and spills out from you. I want you to give that away. And so I want to... I want to close with going back to point number one, burn with prayer. I believe that the only way that Esther was ever going to be prepared to go and waltz into the king's courts was because she prayed, because she went to the one who was the provider of all things. Brian, you guys can go ahead and join me. Um, and as she prayed, over those three to four days, she began to be emboldened with the Spirit. And we want to pray for you this morning. Ashley, again, my intern from Texas, she's amazing. She has 
prayed for me many, many of times. And I know the power that lies in praying for a brother or sister. And so we are going to be up front this morning, and we want to invite you to take that first step to reaching your neighbor by stepping out of your chair this morning and coming to receive prayer. It might be prayer for that burden. It might be prayer for that person. It might be prayer for that passion that you're like, I don't know how to harness it. I don't know how to do the thing that, well, he does. (laughs) And he'll teach you, and he'll show you, and he wants to use you. But first, he wants to meet with you. And so if you haven't had the chance to um, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to talk to you about that this morning. I know that Pastor Justin and his team would love to, too, but he loves you. This isn't an extra job. This isn't another chore. This is him just saying, I love you so much, and I want to be a part of every bit and every part of your life. I want to... I want to be the overflow. I want to be the filler of your cup. I want to be the source of all your strength. And so this morning, I know it's going to feel super uncomfortable, but if you would like to receive prayer this morning for just being sent with the good news of Jesus Christ in your life, or if you would like to to receive prayer for this morning for a person or even yourself, come and join us up front. We'd love to pray for you. Um, And then I'm going to come back up to close us out in some more prayer.